like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a clue. Hello, sleuths. I'm Karen. And I'm Kelly. Welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford enthusiasts. Oh, that's me. Today. Oh, same. Who isn't? Monsters. <laughs> Thank you. Gauntlet thrown early today. <laughs> Don't like Indiana Jones? Get out of here. You're in the so, wrong place. <laughs> yeah. Right. You thought you came for Nancy Drew. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> So, Karen, today we are discussing Nancy Drew and the Clue of the Black Keys. And mm. it is imperative that we begin with an opening thought to ponder, okay. as per usual. Yep, yep. All right. Can you define the phrase, a live wire? <laughs> and I will be happy to use it in a sentence for you. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I wish all my students were live wires like Nancy Drew. Also, for context, am I remembering correctly? This is actually the last line of the book. Tis. That Ooh. is accurate. So this is like a vocabulary, not even a vocabulary B. This is like a vocabulary, this is like a vocabulary quiz mixed with a spelling B format. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> my task is to define the phrase a live wire. All right, are uh-huh. you ready? Yes. A live wire refers to an individual... Mm, good spelling bee voice. Oh, <laughs> thank you. It did shift pretty dramatically. It did. It did. A live I wire... Felt, I felt a shiver run down my spine. So this would be an, an individual, human, mm-hmm. just to be specific. Specificity is key. Larger than a bread box. Who, <laughs> who has a lot of frenetic intensely focused energy Ooh, and we're whipping out some sat words today thank you and Mm. said person might be referred to as a live wire if you were to feel that you just never know what they're gonna do like they could Mm. pop off at any moment kind of like oh i get it now i get it if an electrical wire was to become untethered, fall into a pool of water. You know how it kind of like dances all around? Zippity zaps. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, it's zippity zaps. That is a live wire. And Nancy yeah. Drew, you never know what she's going to do. She zippity zaps all around. She could start flying the plane. She could tackle a man to the ground. Yeah. She could. She could wander into the jungle in a pair of heels. She could tap dance across the stage with a marionette on her hand while solving a mystery. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Don't laugh. It's been done. (laughs) It it has and it will be done again. Did I I satisfy the requirements of this question? Yes. I mean, I feel like overall it's a net positive, right? Not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, do you aspire to be a live wire? Is that something that is like, is that an aspirational thing for you? I don't think this is... I don't think we can assume this is a net positive descriptor. I agree. I think I think it's got a little like, you know, a little splash of patriarchy in there. Well, I think know? it could be. I mean, a, a dude could be a live wire, too. And it's like I agree. But I think she gets called that because it's by an older guy. Fair point. 
I'm just saying. But like, I don't think it's like I think I think it's being used mostly in a positive way in this context. I think so too. Like, I wish all my I wish all my students were. I don't know, intuitive, eager. A line wire though is like someone who could snap at any moment. Anyway, we should move on. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Kelly, oh. yes, I have two people that I would like to speak about. Oh, pray tell. Well, the first one. Knocked my socks off. Lauren Passel at Lifehacker. She's a journalist at Lifehacker.com. Okay. She wrote an article called 12 Podcasts You Can Listen to in the Car with Your Kids. And guess what one of them was? I mean, were we included in that? It was us. It was It's a Clue, the podcast that we (laughs) are on right now. (laughs) You're like, get there quicker. (laughs) And it wasn't even just a little roundup. She wrote a blurb about each of these 12 podcasts on the list. And she said really nice stuff about us. That's amazing. I had no idea. It made me feel so good. So thank you to Lauren Passel at lifehacker.com. Yeah. And thanks for all of our listeners who are getting our name out there and reviewing and rating us online and everything that helps a lot so thank you and also thank yeah, you to thanks, the, Lauren. thank you to the kids in the cars that are listening yeah i was like are are there children in vehicles listening to this but i guess we okay that's good to keep in mind well we know that calvin age 11 we do know that calvin age 11 one that's one sentence plot summary listens to yes. us and he is probably my favorite fan that we have so <laughs> calvin is consistently slaying with the one sentence plots like yeah i agree uh also i believe calvin has a younger sister too who <gasps> may or may not listen but i believe she's a nancy drew fan this is the best so, day cheers cheers ever. to calvin and and calvin's sister who i wish i knew her name i just don't know her name this all makes sense because it's we're just post Thanksgiving. This is the giving thanks portion of the podcast <laughs> it is we also got a new patron on patreon Elizabeth. Ooh, hi Elizabeth. Thank you so much. Yes, we are also good friends with Elizabeth and we love you. We so. are thankful for you as well. <laughs> yes. Um all right. So that being said, we should move on to our life updates which glancing at our brief notes <laughs> because we are not well prepared today. I think we both want to talk about Thanksgiving and because I am a generous soul, I would love for you to go first. <laughs> Well, Karen, I would love to go first. So Thanksgiving was awesome. I love that you live close now. That was super fun. I am now in my post-Thanksgiving pants, which are different than my pre-Thanksgiving pants. And that's fine. Um, are they different than your, just, your during Thanksgiving pants? Because my actively... They're the same. Yes. Okay. Same. Yes. I just wanted to clarify. Yes. Once I make the transition into Soup feast mode. pants... <laughs> They, they 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 stay on for the foreseeable future <laughs> through like we'll say president's day <laughs> at which point we try to start living normal lives again but like um no once the once the leftovers were cleaned up then i've just been i feel like i've been in a constant like grazing mode like i told you right when we like when you called me today i was just like halfway through a full sleeve of graham crackers and I'm like, I guess this is just dinner. Like, my, do I just eat graham crackers out of a sleeve now? Is that what I do? I think this yeah, is okay. your fault because you did a really bang up job on Thanksgiving. Thanks, of girl. Easing us into 
I'll talk about this momentarily. The most amazing meal ever. But you had really? like all oh, of these little you. snacky items, deviled eggs. We had nuts. We had charcuterie. There I'd, were I'd like a snack. Little little pickles, which is my there were little lo, lo, pickles. My my future <laughs> musical artist name. I'm little nice. pickle. Um, <laughs> and I just I if you. <laughs> challenged me and said you couldn't eat charcuterie only for the rest of your life I would say you were wrong and I accept that challenge and so full support for your graham cracker fiesta right. well thank you thank you did I you, appreciate you did you put anything on the gram? no it was a it was a plain gram, a naked gram. respect mm-hmm. thank I you. got negative feedback this week for eating a plain tortilla so <laughs> what did I mean, aside from, like, building a full taco, like, what's wrong with a plain tortilla? I needed immediate sustenance or I was going to fall to the ground. And apparently, that's weird. (laughs) I mean, if it's weird, then we're both weird. But that's been frequently proven on this show time and time again. So, Truth. Yeah. Um, Also, I do have an update for you on an item that I believe you're going to be interested in. I... I'm on the edge of my rolling chair. <laughs> so I know that you, like, I believe this came up in maybe our very first episode, but you hate all of the, like, Bronte, Austin era books. Oh, yeah, that's correct. That's, I yes, that's absolutely <laughs> correct. <laughs> Which I have always, like, vociferously debated you on. Vociferously. Yeah, that's like a Jane Austen word. You would know it if you read those books. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I had too many graham crackers. They've made me mean. Um, <laughs> I'm going to die. But like some of my favorite books, like I love I love Pride and Prejudice. I love Emma. I love Jane Eyre, right? Woof. Well, I have never read Wuthering Heights. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> How, how'd that go? <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to read Wuthering Heights. There is, I'm sure I'm going to love it. Like, it's a classic. Everybody, you know, why wouldn't I love it? It's, you know, it's like one of the great romances of our time, you know, or somebody's time, not our time. (laughs) Karen, I hated it so much. (laughs) I have never been happier. I gave it two stars on Goodreads just because I felt like I couldn't rate it one star. You know, but but I, I finished it. I did finish it. I am cr- crying. Like, w- tears it's are coming out of my eyes. the worst thing I've ever read. Can you... I, was, I was actually actively angry by the time I was done with it. What, if you could only pin your hatred of this book on one thing, what would it be and why? Hmm. Thank you for asking. I would love to tell you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Heathcliff... Oh, yes. Is not lovable, nor is Kathy. Like, this whole, like, you know, this great love affair romance that we're all supposed to aspire to of Kathy and Heathcliff. Like, they're just horrible people. They're they're terrible people. They also didn't... It, I've, I just read somewhere, I can't remember where it was, but literally within the past two days I read somewhere... Oh, you know where? I know exactly where it was. It was in Twilight. Um, so I'm going <laughs> to... Oh, God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote a sentiment from, like, a... <laughs> Stephanie uh, Meyer. Moon or Eclipse, <laughs> one of those. But, like, for, I had read... I had, 
anyway, we'll get into this later. But Wuthering Heights comes up in those books and Edward's like, I don't get this. This is a, a hate story, not a love story. And I was like, thank you, Edward Cullen. Yes, that is exactly right. I hated Ugh. it. I absolutely hated it. So anyway, I thought you would feel like validated by that reaction. And I so feel I share. incredibly validated. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I really appreciate you sharing that with me because I know as sisters of exactly 37 and a half years as of yesterday. Oh, you still doing half years? It's it's hard to seed, ter- <laughs> seed C-E-D-E territory. Understood. In terms of... It, it is. I was... Who is I, correct. Well, and I'm glad I was correct about this. <laughs> we, well... To be clear, you are correct about this one book. Okay. I'm okay. not giving you the entire, like, genre. I will take what I can get. Understood. Um, so th- that concludes my updates. So, like, tell me what sayest thou. How, how are you? Oh, Kelly, I am happy as a clam. I yeah. also really so loved, that. I loved Thanksgiving. I got to drive to Cincinnati for the first time in 15 years to spend mm-hmm. Thanksgiving with my family, which I've never gotten to do before. Um, <laughs> I actually drove the whole way too, which was kind of cool because Seattle driving is really scary and intense. I don't know. It just got in my head and I, Seattle made me very scared of driving because there's a lot of water and like a lot of twisty roads and stuff. And I yeah. got very fraught about my I, I get that vehicular skills and I was like today's the day I gotta yeah. gotta get back on the horse also there is one road from my house to your house it's like get on yes. I-75 and just keep going until you see Kelly uh that was pretty much accurate so yeah so like all great things and your food was amazing I also Thank you. because I drove got to bring leftovers home which I <laughs> ate for I was gonna say days and days, but if I'm yeah, being honest, yeah, I, I messed up pretty bad, Karen. Um, by the time Thanksgiving dinner was over, I I didn't keep any leftovers. I'm so sorry; like, they were all in my car. <laughs> no, I know. I intentionally, I it was like, I can't look at this food anymore, so I packed it all up. And the next day, there was immediate remorse, and so I literally ended up cooking like a whole nother pecan pie just. <gasps> Just for me. It was like a Kevin McAllister moment. Kevin. One cheese pizza just for me, but with pecan pie. Uh, Kevin McAllister is going to come up later in this episode. I have some thoughts on Home Alone Ooh. as it pertains to this okay. book. That's um, my favorite movie. I know. <laughs> it is. It's my favorite movie. I know. Oh, I thought you said, um, no. <laughs> I said, I know. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed Thanksgiving. Um, I loved it. Also, uh, my final update is that immediately upon returning to my domicile, I was like, you know what? I'm going to put the Christmas tree up. I slapped the Mrs. Claus outfit on Gidget the Porch Goose. <laughs> I have my Christmas tree candle in the middle of the dining room table. I Oh, yes. you made me a Christmas quilt. I have the Christmas quilt out. Oh, yay. I am ready. You're fully Christmas. Tis the season. Okay, real talk. Are your cats staying out of the Christmas tree? They are. They have not. Teach me. Touched it. I'm not even putting mine up this year because Kelly. it's just one giant silver cat toy. Well, you have the wrong kind of tree. You should just get a regular little. I mean, ours is fake, but. It's it's irrelevant. 
So for listeners, like I have an antique like silver tinsel tree, but I did at one point have a green tree and it didn't matter. Like it's just, Ollie just loves it. He's he's in it all day long. We have and had just... no interference with the tree itself. The thing that oddly only one of our cats is interested in is the tree skirt because it has little mm. it ties around the base. Oh. And the so bows. They like the little flippies yeah yeah which i'm like you know what fair Go for it go looks like a toy it. yeah yeah anyway happy holidays happy <laughs> ho 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 <laughs> um should we should we proceed to recommendation station only if you do the sound woo woo <laughs> ready okay so do i get to go first obviously okay great um first recommendation the final gambit mm. which is coincidentally our next Super Sleuth book, and I think it's our next episode. Did you already read it without me? I di- I went ahead and read it. <laughs> okay. It was it was just like next on my pile, and I am like I I, I am controlled by the pile. I that's fair. That's you fair. know I mu- I must follow the pile. Was it amazing um, though? Please tell me it's amazing. Karen, it was actually amazing. Like the, I, regardless of the fact that it's our next Super Sleuth book, like we picked it, and our our Patreons picked it before I I ever even bought it. And like this is a legit plug. I loved it. It might be my favorite one of the series. And I've loved all of them. What? But it might be my favorite one of the series. Yeah. That is huge. I'm I'm looking forward to debating that point with you if you disagree when we get to that episode, but I like it was very 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 enjoyable. I can't wait. I can't mm-hmm. wait. Okay. These these the movies on this need to come out. Like I'm pretty sure it's going to be a Prime series. Oh, I correctly. that makes me happy because I feel like there is mass content in each of these, and <laughs> I want to binge it. Yes. Over the course of twelve hours per season. <laughs> so that concludes my my recommendation station. Okay. Well, I have one slash two. Do tell. <laughs> Slash two. Slash slash 47. Um, Okay, I have been recommending this to everyone on the face of the planet. Um, My very wonderful friend Sam and I went to a book club at a bookstore here in Ann Arbor Mm -hmm. called Book Suite. I'm jealous. Which is the cutest bookstore ever. I loved it. Um, The owners are amazing. Uh, I was like, do you want to be my best friend? Um, I'm still working on that, but I got a long con going for that's, best friend, that's right? That's theme song. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so Sam found this book club that's a sci-fi book club and was like, we should go. And I was like, Sam, I love you, but I don't. Yeah. I don't. I'm like, I have to talk to strangers. I don't know. I would do anything with Sam, though. So we went and the book was. The first book in the Monk and Robot duology by Becky Chambers, and it is called okay. A Psalm for the Wild Built. And let me tell you. Is it amazing? The, I've heard so many good things. I read it, and this book, like, rocketed to, like, the top three position for favorite books I read this year. And is one that, honestly, I think I will return to again and again. Mm. Like, I could not have adored this book more. It is just... I think this is also a hallmark of Becky Chambers writing, but it is just very much about relationships. It is peaceful. It is gentle. It's yeah. not like there's not a lot of conflict 
Love it. In this book, it's about a journey and about learning to meet other people where they are and tell each other stories and be on this path called life together. I'm like singing a Prince song now. I don't know. But... <laughs> <laughs> a song that sounds amazing level. i will definitely check that out i've been Thank like talking you. about it to anyone who will listen i think i've got i've gotten like 10 people to read this book now and i i'm like i just want to buy it for everyone i know i love it and there's a second book called a prayer for the crown shy um Ooh. which continues the journey of the monk and the robot and i love it so that is my recommendation fascinating <laughs> did i do the sound right <laughs> perfect it was perfect it's not. It's not a patented noise. Should be. It can. It can. It can be different every time. I don't think as it long can. As it's a general woo woo. I've I've gotten feedback from people that I know in real life that listen to this that they look forward to you making that specific sound. So it's seriously etched in stone. Really? Yeah. That's lovely feedback. <laughs> I've received that feedback from no one in my real life. So. <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear I've, that. I've drawn my own conclusions, but uh, <laughs> well, um, yeah. Should we talk about Nancy Drew? Let's talk about Nancy Drew. That shall. Clearly, I made a typo in this document. Well, I thought so, but I figured you'd get there at some point <laughs> because I wrote this is Nancy Drew mystery number one hundred and twenty-eight. Which, listeners, I assure you, it is not. Um, Tisn't. It's number twenty-eight. Yes. Here, I'm going to fix that just for posterity. Okay. It's now in the etched Fixed. in the tomes of yep. our Google Doc. <laughs> so here is my fun fact for you this week. Do tell. We had another great situation in which we had a one-time ghostwriter this week who ghostwrote this book and no others. I'm so sad to hear that already. Okay, go on. Oh, okay. This informs my follow-up question so this was written in 1951 originally by wilhelmina rankin and also harriet stratemeyer adams but we knew that uh wilhelmina rankin first of all you don't come across a lot of wilhelminas anymore you don't but i love that name Do wilhelmina you? wilhelmina yeah um will this is yeah so as i said the only nancy that she participated in my question for you is, did you like her writing, yes or yes. no, and why? And please support your thesis statement. <laughs> mm. um, I loved her writing. Yeah, I loved her writing. This, this is one of my favorite Nancy Drew books. I knew it. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Like, And I will support my thesis statement in saying this. I was not prepared. Um, but like, there was a lot of action. Yep. And like we moved quickly. I didn't lose interest. I was actually really enjoying reading this book. Um, and they she didn't run into the same situation over and over and over again, which sometimes we find even like within one book, she's kind of like solving the same types of puzzles over again. And in this one, she's like, she's saving people. She's going on treasure hunts. She's, you know, solving ciphers etc right um mm -hmm. there's a situation you know the house gets broken into she and carson get lured away from home to get them out of the way by you know another like a side mystery they have to solve like so it's just there's a lot going on and it's all different 
So, yes. Beautiful. Beautifully said. How about you? Did you like it? Yes or no? And why? And please support your thesis. I felt the same way. And I actually challenged myself not to see what the ghostwriterly situation was until I formed my own opinions. Mm-hmm. Because I, I'm human. I'm easily swayed, Kelly. It's true. And I was maybe 30% of the way through this book. And I was like, new ghostwriter alert. Mm-hmm. This is a different flavor of Nancy. A different flavor of the Clue crew. Mm-hmm. I, j- I, I loved it. Totally agreed. Like, the dynamics between all of our normal players were very different. It felt... This felt... Like another like leap forward by a decade, you know. I agree. So like when we started, it was like okay, we're very much in the 30s, and then we've been in kind of like the the like it's been obviously kind of mid to late 40s. Well, this felt like almost, um, I, like I thought it could have been written in the 60s. It, it started to feel much more like comparatively modern. I would absolutely agree with that. And I like that she did not incorporate any of the tropes that we have associated with the Clue crew. Like George Fane, a short-haired tomboy who likes to go to the gym. And like Bess Marvin, I won't even say what we usually say about Bess. She did not even grace Mm -mm. that with a sentence. And she was like, actually, what if these women are three-dimensional characters? Five Mm -hmm. stars. Yep. Loved it. I I wish she had written the next 15. So I think we would have had a very different Nancy experience from here on out. I tried to Google her so much and I could find nothing about this person. But you know what? Hmm. Like Nancy Drew, I shan't give up. It's possible she's still alive. It's true. I mean, because if she was writing when she was like 20... If anyone knows Wilhelmina Rankin, please contact me immediately. <laughs> right. We have follow-up questions. Um, so shall we one-sentence plot? Yes. All right. So first I shall describe our cover. So the cover we were working with, as per usual, is the, like, yellow-spined flashlight editions. Mm-hmm. Um, on our cover, Nancy appears in profile. She's superimposed on like a Jurassic Park type looking situation Mm -hmm. like no velociraptors but everything else Um, (laughs) her hair is very Titian on the cover but so is the raging muddy river so true maybe yeah there's a yeah anyway she's very Titian Um, we have a nice little metal treasure chest that appears to be floating down this river of Titian mud. We've got a, a creepy dude lurking in the background with like, you know, a, a cowboy hat on, basically. Yeah. Um, and a purple button down. He's like looking very, very pulled together. I mean, so is she. Nancy's wearing clearly some kind of like collared dress a shirt, scenario. A shirt dress. Exactly. So um, doesn't, no one seems to be wearing appropriate outdoor clothes but that's as per usual so our winner and this person also has the best handle ever the handle is c-l-u-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r aka claire and her real name's claire so i was like that's amazing is her family maybe claire is your family from the south like hey claire hi claire um claire says 
As Antiques Roadshow makes its debut in the Amazon rainforest, Nancy spies the perfect silver trunk for her collection, and she's willing to do anything to get it before the old cowboy. So I like that we have an Antiques Roadshow reference. I, I do too. I, mm-hmm. that was... I also like that we have, like, Nancy wants something for herself. Yes, you because know? Lord knows she is not going to get adequately paid for or rewarded Mm-mm. for her work on this nope. case. <laughs> nope. I don't even think she gets a slap on the back. But that's I big. will tell you what she gets in the super fast plot overview, which Perfect. leaves something to be desired. I typically don't do this. Mm-hmm. I, I let you select when it is your turn, but I feel like there is another submission that I would like to praise (laughs) oh okay great this comes to us from ma lewis ah yes i'm familiar with this human (laughs) and this is jeremiah yes is that correct that is correct jeremiah writes why oh why did we have to put the mailbox so far from the house (laughs) (laughs) which made me laugh out loud that is such a bizarre and a hyper specific interpretation of the cover of this book but also something that i frequently comment on especially now that i live back in the midwest where i will see a mailbox and i'm like who is getting the mail here i was i thought you were getting ready to say because of the location of your mailbox and i'm like isn't it on your front porch it is literally i don't even have to fully emerge from the house to get my mail perfect which is exactly well, how I want it. <laughs> yes, by design. Well, I'm, I, uh, I fully support you bringing another, you know, wonderful entry to the forefront. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me herald Tangent. Jeremiah's comedy. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, he is funny. Um, well, Karen, without further ado, it's time for today's super fast plot. Super fast plot overview. I wrote this from scratch this week. You did? Yeah, and there was even a full one right. on the Wikipedia, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I like to make my life difficult. I'm going to just <laughs> craft it. Also, like, sometimes when I write these, I feel like I may have spent more time writing the super fast plot overview than the ghostwriter spent writing the entire novel, but that is... <laughs> That's probably true. Neither here nor there. I am ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Nancy Drew has just returned from a girl's trip to New York City when she is approached by a handsome young professor, Terry Scott. Terry was on an archaeological adventure in Mexico with three other professors when some shady stuff went down. Basically, the four professors, Dr. Scott, Dr. Pitt, Dr. Graham, and Dr. Anderson, find out about some super secret buried treasure. They then uncover clues to finding the treasure of three obsidian keys attached to a stone tablet, which is engraved with ciphers that have never been decoded. They're elated, but then the next day, Dr. Pitt and all of the clues vanish into thin air. Terry Scott points the finger at a rude couple that was always loitering around their excavation area, Juarez Tino and his quote-unquote brash wife. Terry leaves Mexico to find help with only half of one obsidian key remaining. Nancy's house starts getting broken into repeatedly, likely by someone trying to get this key chunk. All of Terry's notes and documents and photos are stolen, and they're almost killed in a car accident by someone trying to stop their sleuthing. 
Terry is also hired to translate an old diary by a suspicious couple named the Wangels, <laughs> who are notorious art cons and who seem to have stolen the diary. The diary, Nancy discovers, has sketches that combine into a mysterious treasure map. When the Wangels disappear, Nancy suspects they've gone to Florida to quest for the treasure, so she gets herself invited on Dr. Anderson's class trip so she can poke around the Florida Keys. A local fisherman helps Nancy learn of a Black Key Island, where, lo and behold, they find Dr. Pitt imprisoned. The Wangels and the Tinos show up because they are in cahoots and threaten to murder everyone if Pitt doesn't tell them where the treasure is. He's like, it's in Mexico, and they're somehow happy with that, and they also steal Nancy's key half. A hot pursuit to Mexico begins, with the bad guys showing up first and Nancy and Terry hot on their trails. Nancy gets the Mexican police involved stat, and they apprehend the criminals as they're digging up the buried treasure. The treasure is a box of jewel-encrusted frogs, which contain a weird green powder. Everyone's like, this could signal the end of humanity. But Terry's like, no way. I think this is probably a healing substance. And since he's smart and kind and beautiful, everyone believes him and they're super happy. As her reward, Nancy receives a mandate from Dr. Anderson that she has to come teach his class how to be better sleuths. The end. <laughs> beautifully done Karen I think I missed some minor plot points but that's that's you, the, you the gist the, <laughs> yeah you got the you got the big ends also uh, am I saying yeah, that her, name right the wangels um I'm so glad you brought that up I I certainly was not pronouncing it that way in my head but I prefer your pronunciation well, how are you pronouncing it wangles <laughs> I think the presence of the double L at the end implies a soft G, but I respect your choice. <laughs> I mean, but like, I can think of lots of things that break that. Like, Examples. Angel has one L. Oh, fair. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta go. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm not, I'm just saying, I, I prefer your, your interpretation. The Wangels? The, the one shells. Uh, I don't think they're that fancy. Okay. Well, we're we'll never go, know. We're going to go with the Wangels. <laughs> the the, the Wanja. What? How did you say it? The baby Wangels. <laughs> the baby Wangels. <laughs> <laughs> the Wangels. Is that how you were saying it? I was saying Wangel. Wangels. No, you weren't. In the... You were saying Wangel. <laughs> no, you were saying Wangel. Wangel. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, we'll know when we listen back to this. Um, There's nine ways to say it. Uh, that's hilarious. That being said, Kelly. And, and somewhere, Wilhelmina is like, um, the W was silent. <laughs> it's Juan Shell. <laughs> exactly. Uh, do you have any general thoughts and musings aside from the pronunciation um, of the Wangels? Do I ever, Karen? <laughs> aside from the Wangels. The Wangels. Um Yes, as I already specified, this this is one of my favorite Nancy Drews to date. I Definitely love that. in the top five. Love it. Um, s partially because of how cinematic it is. Like, this is actually one that I would have loved somebody to make into a movie. This would I have agree. been a great movie. Yeah, lots of lots of running about. Um, that being said, m my one note of like general feedback, like in terms of like negative feedback is I think forcing all three versions of Black Keys into this book was a bit of a try hard vibe. Say more. Um 
like we didn't need to have obsidian actual physical keys and then also be in the black key in Florida and then also have a cryptic threatening coded message that involves black piano keys. I concur. It was giving me like a little bit um, like the tapping heels situation where there's like tapping in the corridors, but like Nancy's actually a tap dancer at the same time. And, <laughs> you know, the kitty clack claw- claws like tippity tap on the, you know, it's, it was just like, okay, you know, we get it. Too much tapping. Try, too, too much of a theme, you know? Yeah, I think that's very but fair. I loved it. I loved it. And we will get to my favorite parts in our next section, but general note, loved it. How about you? General thoughts and musings. I also loved it. I have three line items in my thoughts and musings. Hit me. I know that you also listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. I do. And ADT Security Systems is typically a sponsor, which is so funny to me. (laughs) This specific Nancy Drew book, this episode of this podcast, should be sponsored by ADT Security Systems. Which we will discuss more, but Nancy Drew's house gets broken into approximately 4,700 times in this book. It does. Repeatedly. To the point that Hannah, bless her heart, home alones the house to try to keep the burglars out. And I... (laughs) She does. Died. I'm like, can we just get a sensor on the front door? I don't know. Karen, I did that the other day. You home alone your house? house. What? Why? So this was like maybe a month before Thanksgiving and I kept hearing this like weird noise outside. I hate but this already. I just I I knew it was like I knew it was a tree limb or like I knew it was nothing, but I was still freaked out and I started getting in my head about my basement. So like um it would be next to impossible knock on wood to get into my basement, but like if you did, then you could like get upstairs pretty quickly. And mm. so for some reason that got in my head and I was freaking out that somebody was gonna like come up through my basement. And so when like at two o'clock in the morning, I think I had had a bad dream or something maybe, and I got out of bed and I came downstairs and like stacked a whole bunch of stuff in front of the basement door so that <gasps> if it opened it all knocked over. And then, like, an hour later, I came back down and took it all away because I was like, Ollie's going to knock this over. And you're going to have I'm gonna call a heart attack. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So it was a long night. <laughs> I am so sorry that happened. And yet again, I know we belabor this point. This is the difference between you and me because I would have been like, it's a ghost. And then I bury myself under the covers and I'm like, I will lay here mm-hmm. awake in fear of a, you would you would rather you would rather have a home invader? We just talked about this, didn't we? I don't. I wouldn't rather. I just that's where my mind goes to. I'm like a small Victorian child is going to be like, "Mommy," and then I'm going to go to an early grave. This sounds terrible. <sighs> a small Victorian child that calls you "Mommy." Probably. I don't know. I've never met a ghost, and I really don't want to. Um, I'm. I hope for your sake it never happens. Speaking of things I hate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. There were two air disasters that were narrowly averted in this book and i hated that i don't remember them i don't know how that's possible it's the only thing i remember about this book (laughs) 
Okay, that's not true. I do remember one. There was the guy who drew, who's like in a high speed chase with. Okay, this is one of my favorite parts. He drove but, onto the runway, the runway. of an so, active airport. <laughs> so Nancy's chasing this bad guy, and and eventually he like circles back to the airport and drives onto an active runway mm-hmm. and like chickens down the nose of a plane. Right. Yes. But. But my favorite part of that whole thing was, is Nancy is running to her car to pursue this criminal. She sees a a police officer and is like, I'm chasing a bad guy named Tino. Come with me. And he goes, okay. And he just jumps in her car, lets her, he's not like, let's take my digs, ma'am. Like, I am an officer of the law. Um, No, he just like hops in, lets her go on a high speed chase. Or he could say, please pause. Don't. Yeah, drive directly that. into the snout of an airplane that is going <laughs> Mach 7 on a runway <laughs> so that we will all die and the 250 like no uh-uh hated it <laughs> and then snout. and then Kelly what was yeah okay what was the second one Nancy finagles her way onto this class trip yes. at a school she is not a student of mm-hmm. to go to Miami Florida and the plane almost crashes into Miami because these bad guys have created hijinks. I must have missed that whole part. I didn't. I honestly must have missed that whole part. They're I don't like remember anything They're like coming about in that. for a landing and it's like, oh, this plane may not be able to land. And I was sweet. like, I swiped forward. I, I could not. Anyway. I, I honestly don't even remember that part. <sighs> Maybe I read a anyway. different version than you. Do we read the wrong, different versions? Um... Okay, so two two almost airplane problems. Final statement. Yeah. I did read the, after I wrote my one-sentence plot overview, I read the Wikipedia plot overview, mm-hmm. and there was a sentence from it that made me cry laughing because it was the most mm. Nancy Drew thing I have ever read. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. And I quote, Nancy consults a local fisherman and learns of a group of five islands near a group of seven islands in a single island set apart. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what on earth? Yes. What, a, I, what an unnecessarily complicated way to say that. <laughs> bless our but, hearts. But accurate. But it made it ended up making sense. It just yeah. was a lot. <laughs> it's a, yeah. it's a lot of islands. islands, and then there's seven islands, and then there's one more island, and it's one one of it's that it's that one island. One might call that island a baby angel. <laughs> Baby Wangel Island. Um, Island for Wangels. So that's my feedback, which I didn't intend to sound as critical as it did. But we did have many favorite parts of this book, and we we should discuss them. We should. I want to give you the keys to the kingdom. Oh, gosh. Because there is... there. Yeah, I want you to say it. Because I know what you're going to say, and I want to hear you say it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let me... Let me... Oh, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, I got too excited. <laughs> Hang on. I got too excited. I pulled my headphones out of my phone. Okay, I'm back. Um, I'll state it like this. The boyfriend bracket is back, baby. OMG. So what did I say? This is book number 28. Uh-huh. The boyfriend bracket has been on hiatus since maybe book number 10, something like that. Yeah, it's been gone for a while. Like, I, I think there might have been one or two little pop-up dudes, like, at some point. But, like... The last real contender was John McBride back at Lilac Inn. Yes, he was. 
like no one else has held a candle because it wasn't too long after him that, you know, Ned comes along and it was the one where the house blew up. No one right else has held beginning. a twisted candle to John McBride. Oh, <laughs> oh these are some deep tracks now. <laughs> um, so we, we do just have to talk about the hot archaeologist, Terry. Terry Scott. Who just, I mean, zwooms into her life and is, I don't know what that word means, but it He zwooms in? He, he zwooms in. Like, and I mean, first of all, he's obviously, like, extremely attractive because everybody's losing their freaking brains over him, Even, right? like, when Ned finally sees him, which we will discuss, even Ned is like, okay. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, right now. Like, Terry is basically, like, he's a hot nerd, which is my type. Like, yes, please. Absolutely. He's he's a little bit older, but, like, not a, like not inappropriately older. I, I think, think he's, he, like, you he's know, like, 24, 25. No, no. He's in his early 30s. Oh. I wrote it down. How so, old is Nancy? Decrepit. <laughs> so, so maybe a little inappropriately older. <laughs> Nancy is still perpetually 19, I think. Yeah, she's still she's still a teenager, but whatever. I think he's um, 31 or 32. Whatever. I mean, and and he's like he's like Indiana Jones. He's this archaeologist. Yeah, and he he's also, a professor. He speaks just multiple like Indy. multiple languages. Yeah. I Ugh. and okay, here but okay, so he's clearly attractive. Great. But Terry I just, there's a very different vibe with Terry than there is with Ned. And not even comparing him to Ned. There's a very good vibe with Terry where, like... One might say that Terry is both a gentleman and a scholar. Oh, might one? I would. He is... so. He's also, he's funny. He's kind. He's funny. I just, I just liked him so much, Karen. I just, ugh. I was, like, I, I was having all of these terry scott visions of grandeur in my head for nancy um and i mean it was nice to i mean i guess it's because like she feel even though she's yeah perpetually 19 like she feels like a career woman you know i mean she is a career woman right so like her dating this perpetual college football player is starting to feel unevenly matched because Nancy's got this amazing career and like I want to see her with a guy like Terry who also gets it and like has a passion for it and yeah I can I just liked him yeah. and their so, their their skill sets were very well suited in that he this sounds unkind I'm sorry Ned Nickerson fictional character but like he never felt like dead weight or he was hampering no. her investigations he was Mm-mm providing information and providing skills that collectively made them stronger which is correct part of a healthy relationship yeah welcome to my (laughs) oprah episode (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna kick a a question to you okay tell me about your reaction to nancy like the messing with ned thing that she does when it comes to terry because i loved this part so funny okay so here's what happens ned like in this universe of nancy drew things are very convenient often Mm -hmm. situations conveniently align nancy happens to be going to emerson college 
mm-hmm. for an event, a dance. Another dance. Football game and dance. Football game always involved. Mm-hmm. And Ned says, hey, Nancy, this visiting professor is coming to Emerson this weekend. He was part of my fraternity, Omega Chi Alpha Epsilon Beta Potato. <laughs> I and you really were saying it for a minute. I was like, I can't believe you remember that. No, I don't. I don't at all. I, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, not my, not my area of expertise. Uh, and he's like, he is currently in River Heights. You're going to drive up here anyway. Maybe you can go get this guy and bring him to Emerson as well for the weekend. Mm-hmm. And Nancy goes, okay, no problem. Who is it? And he goes, oh, his name's Terry Scott. He's probably like a thousand because he's this reputed famous scholar who goes all over the world and he speaks a thousand languages and like so like i'm so sorry to inconvenience you but you're gonna have to drive you go drive mr daisy yeah yeah yes and nancy has already met terry Mm -hmm. she chuckles to herself in love with him and she's like do i want to spend four hours in the car with terry scott sure do yes i do and she, instead of correcting him, she says, Ned, not a problem. I'll bring mm-hmm. him up. And she chortles to herself the entire way. And, like, there's an aside where she's like, this will be so funny when I mm-hmm. show up with Hottie McTerry Scott. Mm-hmm. And Ned realizes the error of his ways. Oh, and then it gets even better when she goes, you should really come to the fraternity dance tonight. And he goes, well, I don't have an invitation. And she goes, oh, I'll get you one. So then she goes to Ned and says, you know, what might be really nice for, like, elderly Professor Scott is if you, if, and, oh, and by the way, when she says this to Terry that there's a dance, he's like, I'd love to because I'd like to have the last dance with you. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, I'll get right on this invitation situation. No problemo, uh-huh. Terry. On it, dog on it. Yep. I was honestly proud of her. Me too. I was like... Ned, all the times you've been jealous before, this is the time to be jealous. Now now is the time. Mm-hmm. You are in trouble. I will say, too, something that I liked about um, how we learned about Terry Scott, very mm-hmm. similar to former boyfriend bracket winner John McBride, mm-hmm. there were many moments, even like deep into this book, where I still questioned whether Terry Scott was real i'm like he might actually be the villain i am so glad you said that because i thought the same thing like when when ned said can you bring elderly professor scott up my first reaction was not he doesn't know who terry scott is it was terry scott's impersonating this professor yes i thought so too yeah yeah i thought it was a a hoax but no he just is genuinely the best so i'm asking a question yes that I know the answer to, I think. Mm-hmm. But since we are bringing back the boyfriend bracket 18 episodes later mm-hmm. or so. Ish, yeah. I'm not a mathematician, Kelly. <laughs> has Terry Scott be- become the only person in these books that has unseated John McBride in the boyfriend bracket for you? For me, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and like, same. And Terry, like John beats Ned and everyone below Ned by a lot. But I think Terry beats John McBride by a lot. I do, too. We didn't see him drive a river submarine, but I... It's true. 
don't know that that's a useful skill to have. So. I, you know, given given the number of like probable emergency rubber submarines you're going to have to, you know, impromptuly man. Impromptuly. That's not a real word. It's beautiful though. Thank you. I bet the Wangles <laughs> talk like that. <laughs> um, I will just say though. I mean, do you agree with me? Does, does Terry go to the head of the bracket for you, too? Oh, without question. Good talk. If this um, was Love is Blind, I'm like, get married. I'm rooting for you. <sighs> also, I just need to remind you, we also had a second super sexy male individual in this book. I guess. You, you, don't, you don't agree? I was blinded by, by Terry. my affection for Terry. I, there, are you talking was... about the, the guy with the boat? The Floridian boat chauffeur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jack. Is that, a, is that the new Ann Patchett novel? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm going to write it. It's going to be the Floridian boat chauffeur in, in the voice of Barbara Kingsolver by me. That is so complicated, and I can't mm-hmm. wait for 2023. <laughs> it's a lot of, lot of nuance. I'll save that for NaNoWriMo next month or next year. Um. I, I will just say no boats were harmed under Jack, Jack's captainship. So That's true. This is the first boat forward book where no one's gone it's underwater. Um, so I think it's your turn for favorite parts. We, we talked okay. about Terry. Terry's the best. Um, my favorite part of this book, this is going to sound odd. Yeah. But... A, a big part of this adventure hinges on Nancy getting to Florida mm-hmm. to poke around the Florida Keys. Yes. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time where the whimsical, I'm going to go to Florida tomorrow, just doesn't work. That's absolutely correct. So typically when this scenario arrives and he's like i gotta be in boston in an hour i gotta be in los angeles in 30 seconds i gotta be in russia i I made that one up that was a lie but you know what you you get my point yeah you get my point and for some reason in this book realistic expectations are set she's like bass and george we gotta go to florida stat and they're Mm -hmm. like no girl we just got back from new york city last night yeah it was you expensive. Don't have the money. Yeah. I am retired. I need to <laughs> repack and do my laundry. Like, no. Best yeah. of luck to you. Call me when you get there. Yeah. And she's like, oh, okay. And then she's like, yo, dad, can you go to Florida with me now? Like, yeah. na- now, now. Right, and he's right like, now. He's like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Try like, again. She just is... And finally, travel felt more realistic to me in this book. Yes. So then we had to get creative. And she's uh-huh. like, how am I going to get to Which, Florida? sidebar, I wish her takeaway had been, I have to start charging for these cases. Correct. You know, like, because if she had her own money or if she was, like, happy to help Terry, but, like, you got to buy my plane ticket, then Okay. Here's my expense report. I completely Correct. agree. So but she got, in lieu of she, that, she got, she got creative. creative. Yeah. She had met one of these four doctors, Dr. Anderson, who just so happens to be leading a uh-huh. class trip to Miami, Florida to quote unquote teach a class, but also to do his own skulking around related to this case. 
And she goes to his office. She's like, Dr. Anderson, you got to bring me. And he's like, I don't got to do anything. Listen, exactly. <laughs> he's like, those are strong words, Miss Drew. Uh, even my students that have enrolled in this class and are paying money to go to this university do not automatically get to go. They have to pass a quiz on the things that we will be studying in Miami. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you want to go, take the quiz. And she's like, you know what? No problem. I'm the smartest girl in the world. Mm-hmm. When's the quiz? And he's like, in three, three hours. hours. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes to the library. She pulls all of the books off of the shelf. Someone mm-hmm. gives her the syllabus she for this class. She just went to the Florida section. Yeah. Yeah. And she, and then she, oh, I liked it too. It was cute. She brings it to the cafeteria and is like, she was so busy. She couldn't even eat, but she's like eating a sandwich really fast and reading all these books. <laughs> and she takes the quiz. She can't sleep all night. She's like, I couldn't even answer the last question. Like it was the first it time was, I've it seen was like her nervous. It was like a blue book test too. It wasn't like a multiple choice situation. Like, yeah, these were essays. Yeah. And she could not sleep. She was, every time the phone rang, she was anxious. Mm-hmm. She didn't think that she was going to get to go. And yeah. it's the first time I've seen Nancy just hesitate. Yeah. <laughs> this, and like you said, this is the first time there was any kind of like barrier to her detective trips, you know? Yeah. And so that was fun to see. And it, I mean, obviously, I chalk that up to the different ghostwriter because it's like, you know, frankly, what makes books interesting is when there are challenges constantly being thrown in the way of our protagonist, right? And it's typically just far too easy for her to jet set around the country chasing down clues. I also thought it was very interesting that... I don't know. I just get the fi- the vibe that like Wilhelmina wasn't a big fan of like Ned, Bess, or George. Oh, I definitely got that vibe, Ari, Ned. But I see where you're coming from. I don't know. It was just interesting to not have this like common. Sure, either Jazz, George, Bess, or both of them will make the time, the availability, find the money to go do this with her. Um, now, what I did think was hilarious was the whole Fran component to this. Yes, speak <laughs> of Fran. I fully omitted Fran from my plot overview, so you should tell so, the world of Fran. So Fran, Nancy meets Fran while taking this test. Fran is an yes. actual enrolled student in this class. They don't know each other. They just meet each other, Like I think, after the test is over, and they're kind of doing that, like, do you know what time the grades get posted tomorrow? And did you know the answer to number 15? And, you know, blah, 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 that we've all done before. But they don't know each other beyond that. Well, so then when Nancy gets accepted to go on this class trip, she starts chatting with Fran again on the plane or, like, you know, on the trip before they get to Florida. And basically is like, hey, do you want to blow off this class trip if we can get permission from the professor? And you can get your cousin to take us out investigating these keys. And Fran's like, yeah, sure. An international maritime crime. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, forget even that component for a minute, Karen. Like, if you've been in a class studying your little behind off for a semester (laughs) in order to go on this big, like, trip with your classmates, but then you decide you don't 
kind you like it doesn't matter to you to participate yeah. in any I, of the I activities. I assure you, this is not how that goes down. Yeah, that right. is like that was I not don't my even experience. know you. You know, like no. Um. So anyway, that was Fran. Um, Nancy is magnetic. Absolutely magnetic. Oh, my Ooh. mouse isn't working now, Karen. It's fine mm-hmm. now. Everything's fine. <laughs> you are on the struggle bus today. Yeah. Is um, it my turn? It. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to go with this. is This is a short one. Um, I found it hilarious. This comes up multiple times in the book where Nancy is not allowed to do something because of the amount of men involved. Oh, so, my gosh. Thank you for addressing <laughs> this. Yes. So at some points, she's not allowed to go because too many men are involved. Like, Carson's not thrilled with the idea of her going off with Terry. Um, but then later, she's the professor isn't allowing her to go, her and Fran to go sleuthing on their own, which, fair point, but then he kind of kills his rule. He goes, you're not allowed to go anywhere anymore unless there are two men along. Yes, because, okay, yes. They keep adding additional men based on the raising of the stakes. Correct. And I thought it was really funny. I started referring to it in my head as the two-man rule. Um, (laughs) I will just mention that it proved to be not particularly effective um, because there were more than two men involved when all of them get kidnapped. Um, But also, I would just like to point out that it's all men who get kidnapped some multiple times in this book. So I don't know, like there weren't a lot of damsels in distress and yet there was the two, two man rule. Yeah. And they were not helping. <laughs> Except they for Terry. Not helping. Terry, Terry, was helping, Terry's but... great, but he wasn't helping a lot either. Like Terry got yeah. kidnapped by the Wangels. <laughs> he did. He did. And, also yeah. the Wangels next door neighbor, they're like she was have you seen anybody get kidnapped over here lately and this guy's like nope and they're like have you heard anything on and he's like nope and nancy's like think harder and he goes actually now that you asked me the third time i do remember hearing a man's voice yelling for help multiple times yesterday thank you so much for reminding me and nancy's like bro and you didn't say anything to anyone and he goes i just thought it was my radio acting up i'm like think harder what what that is not the next door neighbor you want kelly oh karen that's so funny think one more time just now that you mentioned it somebody was actively calling for help for hours on end yesterday and there's a guy with a fishing rod up through the chimney with a little white flag on it does that mean something is that what you're talking about I thought it was the chimney sweep. I don't know, man. Yeah, the dudes left a lot to be desired in this book. It was, it was funny. I just, I like the two man rule. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, okay, I have one more. Can I say one more? Absolutely. I have titled this favorite part, Hannah Gruen gets a break. True life story. <laughs> <laughs> so for the first time in Nancy Drew history, oh, Hannah, God. Hannah is doing, not, not for the first time, Hannah is doing the most in this book. Uh-huh. The house get, Carson's out of town. The house gets broken into repeatedly. Yep. Hannah is fending off burglars left and right, fighting mm-hmm. them tooth and nail, home aloneing the house. Mm-hmm. They've given away Togo for the summer, so, you know, she doesn't even have a dog there. No Togo. No ADT security system. And it's just, Nancy is just upstairs in her bed with her 
cucumber mask on like oh, it's been a long day i guess i and should Hannah's rest my just, eyes it's just hannah and a stack of tin cans exactly yep. so burglary number four maybe happens and nancy wakes up and she's like oh god hannah we got burglarized again and hannah's like i didn't sleep at all last night because i had to defend our homestead <laughs> and nancy says you know what you take the morning off i'll make you breakfast Hannah, which TBH is literally the least you the, can do in this situation. Literally the least, yes. But there is this very odd scene where the book and the other characters make such a big deal about the fact that Hannah, for the first time ever, is at 9 a.m. not cleaning the kitchen, not cleaning up her 18-course mm-hmm. breakfast, but she is on the back porch with her feet up, reading a book, enjoying mm-hmm. her life while yeah, Nancy has Yeah, like trying has to an... recover from her head injury. You yes, know? an actual concussion. Yeah. And Nan- and Bess is like, Nancy, I've never seen you in an apron before. And I'm like, poor Hannah. <laughs> poor Hannah. Like, <laughs> Hannah, maybe you should be going to Mexico. You know, She should quit her job. <laughs> she should. Hannah has gotten a rough, a rough deal. I know. I think she loves them, but she also is being used <laughs> yeah i don't do you think hannah's getting a paycheck or does she just get like room and board and, i think like, it's the love of a job well done i think it's the latter oh the love of a job well done i th- I think it's the latter i don't feel that by the way i lost the ability to feel pride in a job well done as my source of payment what about your beautiful quilts that you make i mean okay i guess that <laughs> anyway um okay so is it my turn Yes, but I, okay, are we doing It Would Have Been Awesome If, a.k.a. Yes. my favorite segment of yes. this podcast? Yes. Go, go, Kelly, okay. carry the torch. So, okay, I thought there was like a comma but coming. All right, so <laughs> um, I, I have very few notes, but like, and this is not a criticism, this is a... It would have I, been awesome if. It would have been awesome if. Oh. <laughs> a perfect point. Actually named. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so actually in the land of complaining, my, my like one complaint with this book is that for a treasure that is hidden in South America, we spend a staggering amount of time not in South America. Like very good point. Like we're only in South, we're only in Mexico for like the last chapter of the book. If so, that. If yeah. that. Um, also, not a complaint, but a, you know, a yes ending. I love... Terry the hot archaeologist so much, which is Waltra territory. So I say let's like mash those two things up. Okay. Um, I wish that after Nancy had rescued Terry from the attic, from the Wangel's attic. How are we? Is that how we say it now? Wangel, yes. Wangel, baby okay. Wangel. The baby Wangels. So, so like everything kind of stays the same up through that point. He gets kidnapped. She rescues him. After that. I wish Carson would have let her go to Mexico with Terry to chase after Tino and company who mm. in, in this version, they ha- they leave river Heights. They don't go to Florida. They go back to Mexico. It's Mexico, right? Yes. Okay. So Carson lets her go. And while in Mexico, Terry and Nancy are like, it's just the two of them investigating. Like we don't have the other three professors. We don't have Fran. We don't have a boat captain. Like, it's just Nancy and Terry. I love and that. they get to go on, like, a very legit treasure hunt together. Like, 
we get a full romancing the stone moment. Um, maybe Terry saves her from like falling into that brown rushing river that's on the cover. Yeah. Maybe they have to like huddle together in a cave at night to stay warm. Maybe they have like a deep emotional connection built out of mutual respect brought on by their love of investigation. And maybe after they find the treasure and save the old professor, they kiss and she breaks up with Ned via carrier pigeon. Oh, no notes. I just, I want them to fall in love. And I also want the whole mystery to happen in Mexico. I think that sounds great. And also they are, I mean, Obviously, Nancy is the title character, but Terry is the most interesting character in the book Agreed. and has been the most interesting character we've encountered freshly for a long time. Agreed. I would not have been sad for more development Agreed. of this scenario. I couldn't. Yes, totally. I So I will also just state that I think the only reason this took place massively in Florida is just because they were trying to use the whole keys thing i think you're right we've also been to florida multiple times before though we have like like the the nasa when we, book. when we blew up nasa with the yeah. oranges yeah the oranges yeah mm-hmm. i loved that book <laughs> i know that was a great one <laughs> that was a great one but that also had the big cat reserve i might read that yeah. one again that might be my favorite that was the one with the subterranean it. boiling water layer right yes yeah, yeah. it was very uh austin powers like dr evil powers. sharks yeah. with laser beams on their yeah. foreheads yeah. and like a, and like an actual like like laser pointed at a rocket i loved it yeah it was a good one anyway um Anywho. that concludes my it would have been awesome if um do you have anything to add to nancy's resume Yes, here is Nancy's updated LinkedIn profile circa 2022. She is getting it spruced up as we careen into a recession. She never knows when she's going to need a new job. She's like, open for work. So Nancy, for the first time in this book, finally background checked her clients. She sure did. Which, holy moly, we have had feedback on multiple times, but basically... Her clients appear out of thin air. They're like, help me, Nancy. I have this crazy thing. And she's like, I deeply trust you fully. There's Mm -hmm. no way you're telling me, whispering lies into my ear. And for some reason in this book, she was like, this Terry Scott guy could be a criminal. So she actually spends a bunch of time trying to make sure that this guy is who he says he is, which was correct. (laughs) Yes, it was. That was correct, Nancy. Yes, I would. And, I would. And argue... Carson was actually requiring her to do that as well, which also correct. Yes, finally, I yes. I felt like this change of approach was even more satisfying to me than three books ago when she was like, mm. "I should start bringing a flashlight." <laughs> I was going to say more than the flashlight. Yes, because like how many baloney cases ca- cases cases. <laughs> Could we have avoided Avoided. had we just asked a few more questions about the person who approaches you with an issue? That's true. Get the facts up front. Thank you. Although I never, I mean, I never would have believed that that lady was Anastasia. That'd be hard to prove. That was a good book too. I love Nancy Drew. That's why I guess that's why we do the podcast. Here we go. Number 28. So, but excellent, excellent point. You should definitely background check, check 
your out of the blue detective so, clients. Yes. Yes. Um, number two is Luce. She, I, I had firefighter. She actually did not fight any fires, but so glad she you brought this up. Approaches a burning building on her street mm-hmm. where people are like, "Help! Help! There's a baby inside!" And she gets there before the fire department. She's like, "I'll take care of this. I will rescue the humans from the building." Which she didn't, but that's fine. She was there when they rescued themselves. She she would have. She would so. have. Also, um, can I just point out that that child was supposed to be like three. At least it was. Was it three years old? I think it the, says the child. The was image three. is an infant, so a newborn I mean, yeah. swaddled, a swaddled baby. Swa- <laughs> Thank you, Moira Rose. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, Nancy Drew is kind of a terrible girlfriend, but I loved that about her <laughs> this book. Like her little She had a little sass. I was I was totally her hijinks, it. her Ned mm-hmm. hijinks of like, yeah, I'll drive Terry mm-hmm. to the Emerson dance. No problemo. And to your point, getting Terry invited to the dance by her boyfriend was mm-hmm. really uh like insert mischievous devil emoji mm-hmm. here. She also never said like, oh Ned, you don't have to, you don't have anything to worry about. She was just like, no. I mean, I enjoyed the game. It you is were really what it is. out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my last resume item is Yodeler. Yodeler. Well, I don't Do recall you... the Yodelering. This occurs when Terry Scott is trapped in the Wangel's attic. <laughs> <laughs> and she sees <laughs> him waving his white handkerchief from the fishing pole through the chimney. What mm-hmm. what, what even are we talking about? Anyway, that's what happens. <laughs> this is what happens. She gets the police. She gets the neighbor who's like, I didn't see or hear anything. Um, blah, blah, blah. And for some reason, she's like, I bet if I call really loud, he will answer me. And I bet it's Terry Scott. And everybody's like, where you are jumping to a lot of conclusions. And she's like, no, I think it's Terry Scott. I'm going to call to him. He'll know it's me. He will reply. (laughs) And the direct quote in this book is Nancy made several yodeling sounds. I forgot all about that until you just said it. Which, what? Yodeling. Oh, Terry, yodeling. Like, why would you yodel? I'd be like, Terry, are you dead? Say anything. You don't. You don't need to yodel. So I have some questions about her choices there, but it was interesting. I've never been in a situation where I'm like, you know, I think if I yodeled, it would all work out. I yearn for that situation to arise in your life. I. You'll be the first one I call. <laughs> be like Karen. I just got to yodel down aisle ten of Kroger. It was the only thing that would do. <laughs> Bless your heart. Yeah. Well, I know that I had two open questions remaining. You did. As we reach our conclusion here. Do you, you want me to tell you me. what they are? Yeah. Um, one of them I've already alluded to. Do you think that Hannah Gruen's handling of this home and its burglars, was this the inspiration for Home Alone? No, but I like that it was similar. <laughs> Okay, easy answer. Um, <laughs> final open question. Yes. I don't know why I can't stop thinking about this. What do you think Nancy cooked Hannah for breakfast? Quaker instant oatmeal. Was it a? It was one graham cracker and one 
tortilla with no condiments. <laughs> with no with no salve. Yeah. It's like this is all I got. Here's a handful of raisins and a high five. <laughs> <laughs> um why is the worst part of that menu offering the raisins? I don't know. <laughs> like I would be like I'll take the high five. You can hang on to your raisins. Dried grape. <laughs> well, did you have open questions? I do have one. Okay. Um, okay, real talk. Why is Nancy not in college? I, it keeps me up at night. Yeah. Like, I, I, I understood more when we were, like, back in, Nan- in, like, Great Depression, Nancy Drew. But now that we're in, like, the 50s and... I don't understand why she wouldn't be. She's not getting paid for her her full-time sleuthing gig. I know, I know. And that's what I I want her to do. Like, I'm not saying she has to go back to school, but just like, Nancy, you should just be doing this full-time and opening up your business. But I know. What's what's the haps? Well, when we rewrite these, we know. It's true. I just want Nancy to, yeah, be a small business owner. Um, Well. All right. Well, are we rating? It, we are going to rate this book, and I got to pick this week, and I decided that this week we are rating The Clue of the Black Keys out of a 12 possible jewel-encrusted frogs. How Perfect. many frogs do you give this book, Kelly? 11.5 out of 12 jewel-encrusted frogs. Dang. Mm-hmm. I removed half a jewel-encrusted frog, or a J-E-F, is all we're from <laughs> moving forward, because we're, st- <laughs> we're still stuck with Ned, and I'm in love with Terry. Like, Terry's clearly not coming back, and that saddens me greatly. So, maybe minus he'll be a, Maybe he'll be a Helen Corning, and he'll reappear when you least expect it. Could be. I hope so. In, like, a boy band scenario with John McBride. I would die. Done. That'll be the first one we write. Great. What, what, do, you, what do you rate it? 11 out of 12 jewel-encrusted <gasps> frogs. Karen, this is going to be, like, our, one of our most highest-rated books ever. Highest I think that's what we books. Ever. I think that's what we said about the last one too. No, we're we're they've, being so accommodating in our ratings these days. But they've been getting better and better. Legit, yeah. they get better all the time. This book was fantastic. Um, I removed a billion frogs for all of the airplane hijinks. Yeah, um, but then I gave most of the frogs back because of Hannah Gruen being absolutely phenomenal in this book and getting a break. Yeah. Yes, we do like to see Hannah get a break. I love Hannah. Um, okay, well, real quick, because we've talked for way too long. What are yeah. we reading next week? Karen, it's super sleuth time. Thank it's, God I can It's finally wait. here. So I think this is going to be our lot, like, our next episode, which is super sleuth o'clock, is going to be um, The Final Gambit by Jennifer Lynn Barnes, which is the third in the Inheritance Games trilogy. Yes. And this book was voted on and picked by our Patreons. And so anyway, you've got a couple weeks. Highly encourage you to read it and then listen in and, you know, we'll do our normal nonsense. Um, but I was going to say something. I think it's. I think that's going to be our last episode of the year. So, yes, that's correct. Yeah. And then we will be on vacation. Woohoo! I can't wait. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe. Tell a friend if you would like to do so. And you can find us on Instagram at It's a Clue Podcast, which is where we post all kinds of weird things, including the one-sentence plot summary challenge, which is so fun. 
Absolutely. And if you're so inclined, please consider becoming a Helen Corning friend on Patreon, which is just a bestie of the show. We'll give you a shout out and you'll get to vote in upcoming Super Sleuth title selections. Kelly. Yes. In conclusion. Yes. I want you to remember what we learned today and Nancy Drew and the clue of the Black Keys. What? If you find a bejeweled frog in a treasure chest in a swamp, be very careful. It's either filled with a panacea cure-all substance or a chemical that can bring down the entirety of the human civilization. There is no in-between. That is some high-stakes lessons. It really is. <laughs> well, with that, happy, happy sleuthing! sleuthing. It's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. You can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W. You can find her on Facebook at Danny W Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend Mark Goodlow. <laughs>